Mel Tempest is known as a fitness business influencer, hands-on health club owner, ebook author, and presenter. Mel has known to be controversial, challenges the status quo, and lives outside the square. Her skill set is current on trend, savvy, and in demand. Her primary goal is to get more health club owners moving towards innovation, technology, and social media success. Her own success comes through tough and humble beginnings. Mel Tempest now presents to you the Gym Owners Podcast. More than just the business of fitness. Proudly supported by National Fitness Business Alliance. Oh, good afternoon. It's Mel Tempest from the Gym Owners Business Podcast. Today I'm speaking to Mr. Robert Dye, co-author of the Nine Partnership Principles, Dr. Michael Mantel, Transformational Behaviour Coach, and Mr. Jay Graves, District Manager from Gold's Gym, whose motto is Know Your Own Strength. So good morning, or good afternoon, I should say, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mel. Thanks for getting us together. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And it's always a great podcast when we're all together as a group. So let's get things underway today. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast with Andrew Simmons. And um, obviously, we posted it on social media and Jay commented. So Jay and I got in touch with each other. And after speaking to Jay about his positive experience, listening to our podcast with Andrew, Jay then took some takeaways of the podcast, went back to his team at Gold's to put them in place. So today we're going to discuss a little bit about the breakdown, the why and the how of those events. So tell me, Jay, did you just walk back into your club and say, this is what we're going to do? So Mel, thank you. And, and, and thank you for inviting me to, uh, to be a part of this. And, and uh, just to backtrack uh, slightly, the actual, the podcast that I was listening to was where Dr. Mantell and Robert were your panel. And that was what sparked my initial response. And then, of course, I listened to Mr. Simmons' uh, podcast later, and, and we can discuss that also. Uh, but, but basically, I listened to the podcast as part of my regular self-development. And uh, Robert Dyer was on the panel. I truly respect him and, and those with whom he chooses to associate with. So I felt like uh, this would be a great opportunity for me to possibly pick up something in my self-development. Um, as I listened, I took notes. I was able to relate the content to some of my personal experience running clubs. And uh, Dr. Mantel discussing the FIT acronym. Uh, but what really caught my attention was for my team when he was discussing the results-oriented, solution-oriented, growth-oriented mindsets. And I particularly zeroed in on that solution-oriented mindset. And uh, one of the things he said was, know your issue and come in looking to solve it. And then what that did is it led me back in the podcast to where Robert talked about developing a key takeaway, prioritizing, and then executing. And I immediately saw where I could implement this with my team of GMs for them to utilize through our meetings, our calls, our trainings. Uh, and I communicated this to my team. They responded well. Uh, and the idea I have is to create an organic culture of solution-oriented leaders, which ultimately will drive those results. And I know I said a lot there, but uh, that's that's basically uh, why I provided the feedback I did on Facebook. 
Well, that's amazing. So what, what did you do? You went back into the club. How did you approach your staff? So the, the, what I'm trying to get at today is to help other club owners who want to implement these types of strategies into their club but don't know how to do them. So you walk through the doors, you have a staff meeting. How did the start of that staff meeting occur? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Mel. And, and so we had a regularly scheduled call uh, at the beginning of the week. And um, I started the call uh, discussing the actually this podcast and the solution-oriented mindset. And my direction was that as leaders in this industry and club operators, we should be approaching every meeting, every conference call, every training with the solution-oriented mindset. And you should be aware of your business, and you should come into those uh, looking to solve those problems. And then through the, the call, the meeting, the training, whatever the event may be, you're looking to develop one key takeaway at least, and then what you will do is prioritize and execute. Now, that's the way that I communicated. Okay, so Michael, um, I'm just going to ask you, because there's going to be a lot of people out there that say solution orientated mindset let's simplify that for people what is it well it it really rests on something that we didn't hear jay say but it, i think it comes through loud and clear and that is a sense of confidence that i may not have a specific solution but i know we can get there i know that we put our heads together we'll get there I don't have to have a solution myself. Great leaders don't set out to be leaders. They set out to make a difference. It's not about the role. And you hear Jay say it was about a goal. Uh, he said to his team, let's work together to always focus on solving our problem. You don't hear him talking about complaining. You don't hear him talking about blaming. Um, it's been said that success is built around the second letter in the word, you. And what Jay brought in that solution mindset is we can do it. We don't have to see it. We just have to work together to know we're going to get there. My 13-year-old uh, grandson quoted something to me a little while ago. He said, Papa Michael, do you know someone named Henry Ford? And he said, and I interrupted him, I said, did he say, if you can or you think you can't, you're right? And he said, oh, my goodness, how do you know that? <laughs> well, I think that's what, that, that's what a solution-oriented mindset is. We know we're going to get to that solution. Okay, so that, that involves creating confidence within the, the workplace. Is that correct? Well, first, it involves having a sense of, we call it self-efficacy, the belief I can do it, confidence in oneself. The leader then um, has the confidence to stand alone, to the courage to make tough decisions, but the compassion to listen to other people and build that into others as well. So I think the confidence starts in the leader's own in the leader's own thinking. Okay, so Robert, I'll direct this question to you. You've started up quite a few businesses. 
when how do your leaders or how do you get your leaders to create confidence within themselves to follow through so that they can get their team to meet the goal uh mel that's a that's a um a question and a response that uh is more complicated than probably most people listening to this podcast want to hear but the it isn't an automatic thing that 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 we get people that we we take on this this new venture or this new idea and we're going to go and we're going to execute this so sometimes sometimes with with when you when you select your group of people or they self select themselves to what this new idea is that's going to help improve the operation of our business the success of our business the competitiveness of our business is that it when when they do that we it's not automatic that they know how, how to do that they just know that they're willing to try so there comes in the coaching part you've got to be very patient and and you know i, I just want to kind of step back for a second and i want to say something ab- about this part because you're getting into sort of the it feels like the execution part which is something a lot of people talk about is is maybe execution takes on the same mindset that being an you know being an entrepreneur does it, it's it's more than just we're going to sit down and figure out a solution and one other important thing i think that's really we we've got to understand as as managers as leaders in this industry is that you don't have to be an entrepreneur you don't need to be an entrepreneur to be to be entrepreneurial and sometimes we think we do sometimes our our people think they do and that we're expecting more from them than they're capable of and so for me it's when we when we do this mel throughout the years of, of taking on so many different things i love actually enjoyed thrived on change i thrived on disruption and over time, I developed, and Jay could tell you because he would know some of them personally, that if we didn't have something disruptive going on, there was something wrong. Because it, 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 that means, to me, we weren't doing anything. We were just accepting status quo and saying that that's okay. And our whole thing was totally different, was we've got to operate every day, like I said in the last time, just every day, like someone is put staking us sign in the ground saying coming soon and your competitors coming in across the street you don't wait till the sign goes up to start doing these things start looking at things and choosing things to implement in your business model you do it before you act like that every single day and so those things are important to as far as our team were concerned um related to that uh so if i can just interrupt and if I can bring this down to some more, even more practical terms, being solution oriented is definitely a shift in mindset, as Jay said. Um, instead of hiding within a comfort zone, worrying about what can go wrong next, solution oriented folks focus on what they can what they can do right. Uh, Problem focused people have this "why me" attitude. Solution-oriented folks know better. When they are when they see a problem, they're able to completely remove themselves from a situation, 
They understand that anyone in this situation is facing the same situation. They don't waste time with the woe is me. They've saved their energy for finding ways to overcome the issue. They have a plan. They're flexible and resilient. Um, uh, they, they're accountable. Even though they've created a game plan, things don't always work out as anticipated. And solution-oriented people, as I said earlier, leave their egos out of the equation. They don't become emotionally attached to a their choice. It's got to be my way. Jay is successful because he leads a team and who of people who aren't stuck in their ways uh, that they won't accept a good idea from someone else when it's suggested. Um, and obviously, as you heard from um, uh, Robert, they don't waste time thinking of worst case scenarios while they do plan for those contingencies. Solution-oriented people don't procrastinate they, or put off taking action because they might fail. Failure is a step towards success. So then I'll direct the, right. the, the next question to the three of you then. What are the trigger points in the brain that make us decide we're going to play woe is me or become those motivated people? Well, I, I guess... Uh, it was quiet. <laughs> so let me, let me, uh, that sounds like a question for a doctor. Uh, right. Let me put the noose around my own neck. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, I think it comes back to, uh, it all starting with our attitude. Um, Will Rogers, uh, I think it was Will Rogers said, if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do is stop digging. You, you have to have a attitude that says, Regardless of what happens, I'm going to be okay. Um, I have this belief in myself that nothing, nobody, even those who stop me, don't stop me. Um, I let me tell you something else that I that, that's important here. A, a trigger is there is no self-esteem. You see, self-esteem is conditional. I'm, I feel good about myself because look at the business I built. I feel good about myself because look at the, the numbers that I've increased. But as soon as it turns south, you lose self-esteem. So what I coach my executives yep. on is unconditional self-esteem. Don't rate yourself at all. Leave your personhood out of it. A key trigger to being able to be solution-oriented is to not rate yourself. But rather, your performance, your skills, the, the, the outcomes, and so forth, that's rateable. But I think people who can keep going forward, such as Mel and Jay, excuse me, such as Robert and uh, Jay, are people who enjoy the challenge because they love testing themselves, moving forward, disrupting. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. When it works, it's not because I'm great. When it doesn't work, I've learned something. I either win or learn. We never lose. Exactly. Jay, I mean, what was what was the turning point for you when you were listening to the podcast? What was the trigger point for you that made you go back and discuss the podcast with your team? Well, uh, Mel, I'm always looking for for new ways to help develop uh, you know, those those GMs that that worked for me, and I, I try to I try to each week have a, a new professional development uh, 
portion of our communications to help them. You know, we spend a lot of time asking them to do stuff for us. And, uh, and my thought is if I can take that one portion uh, of that communication and turn it back to where I'm, I'm trying to do something for them to help them, whether it's in their, their business and their personal life, whatever it may be. And again, I, I went into this podcast, uh, just with the hope of learning, uh, something. And as it progressed, I identified with you all were discussing the, the, um, going to conferences and the knowledge that's disseminated there and how uh, people don't take action. And through some of my experiences, um, you know, the lack of action, lack of execution, um, that immediately made me think of, hey, this is this is something I can take to my team. And um, one thing I will say is that from the execution side, and, and you know, Dr. Mantel was talking a little bit there about the confidence. And, and I really believe that that confidence, and this may be very simple, but it, it comes with knowledge and, and understanding. And so one of the things, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to teach and train the leaders on understanding their business. And, and, and that is something that now I feel they're in a place where they have the confidence to come in listening, but maybe they just need somebody to give them that specific guidance. And then as far as the execution, now you're talking about a whole different thing because now we're talking about accountability. And I've actually agreed to be their accountability partner even though I'm a supervisor, weekly, uh, they are reporting to me their progress on those key takeaways. So um, I know I answered that and then added a little more, but uh, hopefully that made sense to you. I mean, Robert, what do you? what's your reply to what both Michael and Jay have just spoken about? Well, it's, um, to me, the uh, strategy just to kind of sort of step sort of step over to the side for a second and say that strategy to me is doing the right things. So that's a whole process in itself, Mel, is is what are those right things? Because it could be a whole menu of things. But the execution part that Jay was just referring to, execution is doing things right. Strategy is doing the right things. Execution is doing things right. And they're both essential for any success. And Working with your team and mentoring and supporting and t helping with the accountability that Jay mentioned and that uh, Dr. Mantel had mentioned is so critical. We these I believe that so so many times that we're companies and people are expecting these these employees to to know everything without the coaching and the support. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's it's repetitive, kind of like what I was feeling like Jay was saying is that. He's being accountable for their progress, for their, you know, to, to, to help them accomplish whatever that is. And that's it, is that we don't quit. It's, there's no end to it. It's continuous, I believe. And it's something that, that if you're, if, if you're a, a, I believe, considered, leadership is a word that's been used and overused and, you know, and like, like a lot of terms that we use in our industry. but it's you know if you're going to be a, a leader you you've got to inspire these people you've you've 
got to coach them on the details. And even the hard conversations, Jay, I'm sure it's not all great stuff. You have have to sit down face-to-face and coach someone and be real at the same time. And I think that's how we develop people. So we're able to look at strategy and executing and picking what are the in priority the things that we need to be doing to be a better organization. And does this really impact our core business? So some comments related to that, I think. Well, I was going to say, when someone, come, when someone goes to a conference, uh, Jay was talking about that, and that's what uh, Robert and I were talking about with you the first time out. When someone goes to a conference, they hear about, how great the gym is doing or how fabulous that approach is working out in the industry, how terrific this guy is able or woman is able to bring the, the skill. And they come home, they start thinking, why aren't we doing it? Well, when I, when I come into a team, I tell them, if you're going to talk about problems, we're going to have problems. We need to focus not on why can't, not why aren't we doing it, but how can we do that? How can we bring what they've done into our uh, business model? What can we do to start talking about solutions? Um, the, if a conversation is redundantly reviewing problems rather than strategizing solutions, I tell people, be quiet until you're more solution-oriented. And so sometimes people have to look and say, wonder what it is that makes us so focused on what can go wrong. When I, I, when I wake up in the morning, I tell my people this also. Ask yourself what can go right today. It's so easy to go, oh, God, I got to go have that meeting. And this <laughs> and all that, you guys are laughing because you know, right? But <laughs> That's so true. Bed, when you go to bed tonight, try this and see what happens, Jay. Bring it back to your team. When you go to bed tonight, you write down three or four things that went right. Solutions that worked. When you wake up tomorrow morning, ask yourself, what can go right in our business today? As opposed to, I got to meet with this person and give him this negative feedback, and I got to go over these negative numbers. You, you can't be successful that way. It's funny that you say that, Michael, because um, when I left my own club last night, uh, I taught the class and I went to reception as I do afterwards. I said, How's it going, everybody? And immediately, two of them said to me, Oh, it's been quiet tonight. It's been quiet tonight. (laughs) And I was like, well, it doesn't look quiet to me. I mean, we've just had like 40 people in our class in the gym floor. The gym floor is busy and they're like, oh, no, it's been quiet over the counter. So hold on a moment. It hasn't been quiet. You're out there servicing all of those people under the roof. If your busyness is about the, the money that you're taking over the counter, there's something wrong with the role that you're playing in my business because to me, being busy is out there conversing with the people on the gym floor. It's out there talking to the people in classes. And I get really, really annoyed when you greet somebody with positivity and you get, oh, it was really quiet tonight, or with immediate <laughs> negativity. So how do I, as a, as a coach, just in absolute layman's terms, and any of you can answer this question, how do you coach people out of that negativity? Because there's nothing worse, you know, when you've had a great breakfast and, you know, you walk into the club and it's 9 o'clock and you're all set to go for the day and, oh, had a terrible morning. How do we coach people out of thinking like that? Go ahead, Jay. 
But I just um, real quick, one of the things that I do, and, and Mel, I, I think I'm I'm a lot like you in that aspect. Is, you know, when I walk into a club uh, and people ask me, Hi, "How's it going?" I'm 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 like outstanding. It's another great day. How are you? And and so I think leading by the example there, and knowing that if you can if you can show what you expect, the role model that behavior that uh, I believe that whether it's the personality or or just the um, the way they are behaving at the time, if you can role model that behavior, that it it can become contagious. And uh, yes. you know, uh, and the next thing is is that you know we get as leaders what we tolerate. So it's also up to us to to take some action. And and I'll just turn that back over to Robert. I know I know he had something to say there. No, that's that was real good, Jay. Uh, you you explained that well. Uh, yeah, when when people people say to me, so uh, what do you do? And I always say, whatever it takes. My answer is wit, whatever it takes. What does that the wit mean? principle. <laughs> it means that it means like whatever it takes, I will do. So I'll give you. I gotta. I gotta give you a real life example. Okay. Um, Without naming names and of clubs and all that, uh, someone uh, came to me and said, "You know, I think this this program is not working for me at all." I said, "Oh, really? Well, tell me about it. What's going on?" Well, you know, I came here. I lost five pounds the first week, seven pounds the second week. Then I only lost two pounds the third week, and the and then the fourth week I only lost two and a half pounds. This program is not working. Did any of the uh, nutritionists, weight uh, people, the trainers? talk to you about that no i mean it, it, it's obvious i'm just failing and i just don't want to participate anymore nobody bothered to help this person understand a two pound weight loss per week is wonderful her definition Absolutely. her definition stunk the definition of the woman behind the counter at your place mel that definition we're not busy because i'm not taking what do you mean you're not busy um, I go to a gym and I walk in and the people behind the counter are talking to each other. They're looking away. They're reading their cell phones. No one says hello. So I said to the manager, if you ask those people at behind the desk, how is your day going? They would say, yeah, it's quiet. Quiet? People are walking by. You're not engaging. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I think the coaching there is a method that was developed at Harvard Business School many years ago. It's called Discipline Without Punishment. Let me take you through it real fast. It's just a couple of steps. Uh, let me play with, I'm going to role play with you, Mel. Oh, Mel, okay. I'd like to talk to you, uh, Mel, I'd like to talk to you about a situation that's come up. And you say, sure. Come on, have a seat. Sit down. You know, Mel, in my club, um, I like it when people uh, look for ways to be successful and look for ways to, to see uh, opportunities to engage with people and to define being busy in the broadest terms. This, this week, I asked you three times, uh, how's it going? You said, not very busy. And I, I, I want to talk about that. Uh, tell me about that. Now, Mel then says, well, I mean, it wasn't busy. Okay, let me give you now, go to this next step. The good business reasons why, Mel, you need to redefine your terms. Mel says, gee, I never thought about it that way. Hmm, okay, we're done. 
Thank you, Mel. Have a great day. Now I, two days later, Mel, how you doing? Oh man, it's I'm. You know what? I have so much for me to do here. Great. But what if Mel, in that interview, says, you know, I I, I disagree. I mean, you know, just saying hello to people. That's not busy. Busy is collecting money. Now we have to talk about what will happen to Mel if she does not get on my solution-focused approach. Well, I would send Mel home without, excuse me, with pay. Mel, go home. Take a day off. I want you to go home. I want you to think about whether or not you really want to play by the definition that I have. I'm the owner, I'm the manager, you work for me. I want you to go home and think about whether you want to play by these rules. And if you do, great, come back tomorrow. And if you don't, I will accept your resignation, no problem. If that sounds harsh, it's not. It's aggressive. Because my success in my business counts. And therefore, I want everyone on my team to have the same mindset. I'm not putting her down. I'm treating her as an adult who has a problem to solve, not a child I'm punishing. I'm holding up what I want. I'm showing her what she's doing. I'm asking her to discuss it. It's really straightforward. That makes some sense to you guys? It certainly does. It certainly does. And that, I'll be honest with you, Michael, that can work for some club owners. It's not going to work for others. So what is another approach for those club owners that aren't lucky enough to be in that situation where they can say that to somebody? Because some clubs do work on skeleton staff and as much as they would probably like to ask the person to go home for the day, they aren't in that position to do it. So what's, what's another strategy that they can, they can put in place with that mail? Well, I will, I'll go ahead. Robert, I will, please go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, Mel, first of all, if, if we're being realistic here, not every, you're right, club owner, manager are going to have, it's going to, are going to have the same situation. It's the same ways to deal with it. But let me tell you something. There's many times in my career that I've been put myself to be as far as number of people that I needed in the, in the club, in the, in the brick and mortar side of it, that, uh, I put myself shorthanded because I would do something as an example, like Michael just demonstrated, just said, because they, the thing is an employee knows this. If they've got you handcuffed, they know it. I'm going to do the opposite of what they think I'm going to do. And you know what? Sometimes that may mean I'm a little bit shorthanded. No one's going to die. We're going to live through this. And I'm going to go to the other team members and say, you know what? I just need a little bit more today. I'd appreciate it. And you know what? I have such a great relationship. I, you know, I know that sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm hard and, I'm, and I push hard. And I, but people that know the people that I work with is they push themselves harder, really, than I push them. They want to do it. And, and I do believe it's because, and I have a little bit different way uh, sometimes I say there's you have to have a couple of different tools in your toolbox. I right. love the way that Michael <laughs> Michael handled that discussion. One, th- a couple of ways that I've handled this in different 
way so that it's never the same way each time with the same person. If I have it multiple, I'll have a walk and talk session where we get a cup of coffee. And we're just going to walk outside the strip center, wherever it is, and we're going to talk. And, and it's just us. Um, so, and, and, and you know what my big goal is? It's not for me to talk, but it's to ask the right question, right. Mel, to get them to tell me everything that they want to say. And I would never interrupt them. And you know what? Sometimes they'll go on and on and on and they're through. And then they don't even remember what they were upset about to start with. So it's mission accomplished. I'm dealing with a human being that had emotions. I understand that they're inside. They're good people. And my responsibility is to pull that out of them, to try my best to help them be better people. Another thing that I do. When I go into an office, I never sit across the desk from someone that I'm having a, uh, a conversation related to this. I sit on the same side of the desk. I don't want any barrier between us. I want to be able to be as equal to them as possible and to be able to be, it's not me against you. It's how do we fix this? Tell me what I can do. How can I help you? And then you take it from there. It's not always going to be the, the, the glorious answer you may think, but it's, it's slowly building the people skill, the trust, and, and whether they get the right answer they want from me or whether they talk through this and they realize what they're saying and that they admit that or whether I do, I bring it up and say, well, this is what we need to do to resolve this. So I have like three or four tools in my box as to how I handle that. And whether it's one-on-one -on -one or whether it's a group, I never bring everybody in for the same problem because I'm reluctant to talk to the one troublemaker. I, I never do that. Why would I punish all those other people to hear what I have to say when I, when I need to be talking to that one person and they know what person that is. So why I, I would, that's unproductive. So it's really about learning. One of the things that I think maybe I do, what I feel like I do the best that I can or I feel like I do well at is reading people and trying to find out how can I help? How can I help? Because I really think they want to they be better. They want to be good. They don't, sometimes they don't realize what they're saying or how, that they're being repetitiously negative. Sometimes that, you know, we don't know what's going on in their life. So sometimes just the walk and talk, sometimes to sit down beside them and just talk to them, shut the door and with no agenda, no, no, you know, just because you don't know where it's going to go. You're dealing with human nature, with human beings, and it, it's not always predictable. It doesn't have to be. I'm okay with that. I put me on the spot. I don't care. And, and so that's how I deal with people. And I think I get great results from it. I mean, in, in my own club, once a year, I ask the staff to write a story and they have to um, obviously give that to me and it has to start off with, you know, once upon a time in the, in the real world, how would they like things to be? And they have to give me some goals in that. And we then sit down after they've done the letter to me and we sort of um, try to put a plan in place where they're going to achieve some of those goals 
And I, I feel that, and the reason I'm discussing this is because that helps build up a stronger rapport with that staff member, which then sort of allows you to ask some of those questions that, that you were talking about, Robert, maybe in your walk and talk with them. And you know what? You're very, very right. It is so wrong to bring them together as a group to punish one person. Um, and in my early, early days, I did do that. I did bring them to, uh, together. I think we all did. <laughs> and, and then you realize, why, why are you doing that? You don't want to be treated like that. So, but it takes experience and it, and it takes quite a few failures at trying to work people out before you start to get it right. I don't think you ever really get it 100% right, but we do our best to, to try and get everybody on the same path so that we can help individuals. And Jay, I mean, you're you're working with people in clubs every day. So what's your feedback on this discussion? Because I know that a lot of managers and club owners are having these discussions at the moment. Yeah, this is this is all just just great feedback and and I'm taking notes as as you know yourself and Dr. Mantel and Robert speak. Uh, one thing that comes to mind with me is is that you can develop incredible loyalty from your team members just by approaching them and ask, showing them that you care about what they want. Where, where do you want to be? What is your goal? What is your, what is your career uh, look like in, in the ideal situation? And when you when you stop and I, I've done this and, and this is real life experience where I've sat down with folks who may have some issues and and nobody's ever sat there and said, hey, tell, tell me what you want. What, what do you want from your career? What how do you plan see yourself? Where do you see yourself in a year from now, five years from now? Where would you like to be? And the the look on their face uh, when nobody's ever asked them that, it's always been do, 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 do. And, and when you stop, it's a total different approach. And Robert mentioned taking the coffee walk there and just listening. But when they start talking, nobody's ever approached them like that. It creates a, a, a sense of loyalty and, and accountability on the spot. And uh, the team members that I've had those kind of conversations with, um, I still, to this day, have uh, extremely uh, close working relationships with. So that would be my uh, piggyback. That's that, that's great to hear. So very good. It is. It mm -hmm. is. I Terrific. mean, this is something that we could talk about all afternoon because I just feel that um, getting club owners in the right place that they mindset wise, so that they can direct their team in a in a more positive manner is so extremely important. But then there's the next step. Once the club owner is in that positive mindset, um, we then have got to take the, you know, the, the team members and place them in a, a positive mindset so that they can get themselves to where they want to go. Because if they can't get themselves to where they want to go, how are they going to get their clients to the place where, where they want to go? So, I suppose, sort of in closing, I ask each of you, and Michael, I'll get you to go first. If you had to give one tool to A, the club owner, B, the trainer, and C, 
a client, what would they be to move forward positive? What, what's, what's three things to three different individuals to get themselves on track? You know, the club owner, the person that's, I don't like to say under the club owner, but the, the person that falls next under the club owner, and then the client. Well, I'll tell you, as you started to answer the, ask the question, the, I, I had one answer that, that applies, I believe, across the board. You heard it from what, what I was saying earlier. You heard it from Robert and you heard it from Jay. And that's just developing a sense of care, whether it's care for the success of your club, which means, in my way of thinking, for the club owner, that my employee and my members thrive. If it's the employee that I'm here to help the club thrive and the members thrive, and if it's the if it's the member, it's I have a sense that this club ownership, I may not ever see the person, but when I walk in, I feel like the person at the front desk, the people cleaning up, the trainer just truly cares, cares about who I am. But I think if, if the club owner, the employee and the client can develop a shared sense of caring, uh, I think you've got a dynamite club going on Robert did you want to add anything to that well said Michael um, yeah I always have something to say <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I, look I have here. my pen here I have my pen here <laughs> so um, I'm recording no, <laughs> the, I can't I kind of feel like to set the premise here is to, and, and to answer your question is that we are still in a people business. We can have all of the latest, the greatest, the newest, everything. We can be the shiniest, the cleanest. We can, it can be all of those things that most club owners would love to walk in and everything be great. The fans could, you could have a section of fans turned <laughs> off and someone's up on a ladder cleaning the blades, which you'll never, ever see. Or up cleaning the vents <laughs> where the filters go. You know, it could be all of those things, but uh, we're still in the people business. And to, to Mike's point, I don't know that I could come close to giving a better answer than what, what Michael just said. It, it, it is about caring. And you know what? That, that shows immediately. You don't have to say a word. Right. It's just how you look when you're walking down the hall and, you greet somebody and you're looking down and you're on your you're on your phone doing texting or looking up something, whatever you're doing, and there's no icon, even eye contact. Hell, I'd be tickled. Some club would be tickled to death with eye contact. Are you right. kidding me? Yes. They yes. can't even get the trainer. They can't even get the trainer to quit looking at themselves in the mirror or on their phone long enough to count the reps. That's and so I hate true. that stuff. So you've got to get these you, we're in a people business, and, and and so many things relate around that. It's can I get you a towel if you offer towel service? It's, it's walking around as as when I as a club owner, I had the towel in, in my right pocket, and I had the spray cleaner in my left hanging on my left pocket by the nozzle. And I, when someone would get off of the bench, I'm spraying the bench and wiping it off for them, and they're watching me. And they're going, this is unbelievable. You do this all the time. I go, because I, I, it means a lot to me that you, you, you feel like that 
you're working out in an environment that that, that uh, uh, believes in keeping things clean because we know that you know it's whatever you say you get to a conversation with people and because fitness is not just about sets and reps fitness is a lot of it whether a lot of people uh, have I've seen through all the years that I've been in the business that we're too social we're not social enough I mean everybody has their own take on it but to me, it's all people. And I've done big events. I've done big clubs. And I've never been able to make one of them work without good people that I can look in the eye and talk to and shake their hand and ask my team members, I want you to shake hands, look somebody in the eye you don't know, three people every day. And I want you to know their name and find out something unique about them. It'll take you five seconds, seven seconds. And they'll walk away feeling like this feels good to be a member here. These people really, that you know, that's the first time somebody's asked me that. Uh, the girl at the front desk didn't even acknowledge when I walked in. In fact, I didn't even have to slide my card because she was too busy on her cell phone. So they don't even know the I'm really checked in here. That's yeah, and, and, the and see, these, these simple things, Mel, are, that we try to make, that our industry makes so complicated. We're, we're so worried about the new technology. Hell, we can't even say hello. That's we can't true. even we can't even engage with people properly. And I'm worried that's about the latest greatest technology that, that nobody's going to know how to use. Uh, so there's where the execution, which goes back to all, all the stuff we started with on the last podcast, is how do you get people to do these things? But it's having the right team, and that takes time. It's not automatic. It takes time. It takes work. And they've got to believe that you believe it. It's like the example that Mike gave him sending the, the girl home with pay. I like that. I like that because that's a different message than sending her home to think you about can, whether you, she wants to work you, there. You can rest assured that the owner of that club gained by not having her at the front desk that day. Absolutely. Because she upset more people by ignoring them than having no one at that desk and having the owner of the club himself, the manager, say, hey, guys, sorry we're a little shorthanded today, but I'm glad you're all here. Uh, I'm going to check in myself. Boy, did that, did that get points. You're so right. You're yes. so right, Robert. And, and, I, and so, Mel, I don't know if there's a better answer. I mean, the, the care. And being that we're in a people business, yeah, I love technology. I'm all over that. I, I love all those things. But if you're going to, how do I run a health club? How do I gain members? And how do I keep them? How do I stop that revolving door out the back end? We sell 100 and lose 60. You know, <laughs> when people will tell you the lie is, the, you know, the, the old health club lie, yeah, I have 70% retention. Well, I tell you, right? I agree with that. The point is, is <laughs> they don't even know what they have. If I ask a club, do you know what your demographics are? Well, you, what do you mean? I said, well, okay, how about just male to female ratio? They'll blurt out some number 60% male, 40% female. And if you were to dig into the analytics, the metrics of their, of, of their database, and I've done this, they're so far off. That when you come to the answer, it's like they're so embarrassed because all they do is look up across the room and give an estimation, and we're supposed to believe it. 
it's kind of like the Ursa report. It, I've right. done the, I did those for 15 years. Not one time did I ever pull a P and L or really <laughs> extract numbers to, because I was too busy running the club. I didn't have the luxury of, you know, I had, I had work to do and they're hounding me about, about getting it back in. And then they printed that as it, it, with everybody else's. This is, this is the retention rate. We're doing, we're, we're three points better than last year. The industry's turning around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you need to go back and rethink and, and, and go back in a club and see what get, it feels like. Let me give you a quick another real-life example. I was working with a club, and I did seven treadmills that were not working properly. I walked front, the guy at the front desk. I said, hey, you know, you got a bunch of treadmills that are not working properly. He said, oh, really? Which ones? I said, you want me to tell you which ones? Wait a minute. It doesn't work that way. He said, and, and then I heard a client come up and say, hey, the treadmill's not working. And the young guy said, hey, you know, we're trying to get some people out here. We can't. We, do, we, just, we just haven't been able to get them yet. I took the young man aside. And I said, let me ask you a question. Do you care about this guy? He said, what do you mean? I said, do you care what he thinks, what he feels he wants to work out? Do you care about that he wanted to do the treadmill then, that was his favorite treadmill, whatever. He says, I mean, no, I mean, come on. You know, he's got to understand that we, 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 don't, we don't have full-time people here to fix treadmills. That's a negative attitude. That's got to go. That's no, there's no caring there. He cares about the treadmill, not this gentleman who wants to be on that particular treadmill. And unfortunately, that, that is something that we see a lot of in clubs these days. And um, again, it just comes back to coaching your staff through, um, you know, give, make, uh, making them understand to give positive answers opposed to negative or justifications. Um, it's, mm -hmm. you know, again, that's another podcast, isn't it, really? I just mean... <laughs> Everything's another podcast. I mean, we got Robert fired up on on numbers, so we can we can have a podcast on, on numbers and, and turnover. Jay, is there anything that you would like to add to this afternoon's podcast? Uh, sure, thank you, Mel. Um, first of all, I do agree that that you know people and caring that is you know, you all hit that nail on the head. Uh, what I would add to that is a, a word that I really emphasize uh, in my own life and with my team is, is ownership. And for that club owner, understanding that everything that does or does not happen when that from the time that member or that guest drives onto that parking lot to the time they leave, is you need to own that as the owner. And... Um, I think that we make a lot of excuses and um, we come up with, with a lot of reasons. And what we need to do is we need to own it and we need to uh, realize that is that is our our job. The trainer needs to own their business. They can't blame the club. They can't blame the members. The trainer needs to know uh, where they where they need to be to be successful, and they need to own that. And find the tools and resources uh, to and partner with the owners or the supervisors to help create that business. And then the client themselves, uh, you know, ownership of, you know, showing up, being responsible outside of the club and putting in the work 
and the effort. So I think just overall ownership of uh, the, those three different categories you listed would be the, the next word I would use. I think oh, very um, good, Jay. Thanks, Jay. I think at the end of the the day, we need to remind ourselves as club owners to remind our staff that for some of our clients, coming to the club is the best part of their day. And we we need to show them the care factor like the three of you have shown your care factor today to educate the club owners that are listening to the podcast that we need to remember that for some of our clients coming to the club each day really is the best part of their day. And I think that the three of you today have given everybody some amazing takeaway tools. And um, I would love to do a follow-up podcast on this, Jay, to find out actually where your team is at since you spoke to them um, and the positive you know, things that have come out of your, your meeting with them. Is there anything that anybody else would like to add before we close off today? Yeah, I'd like to suggest that we do an undercover boss reality show with Jay. You all know what that (laughs) undercover reality show is. Jay dresses up like a client. He goes into his club. He starts working there. We watch what he's doing. It's going to be be great. (laughs) That's actually a very good idea. Uh We could put our own report together, couldn't we? Put our own branding on it. The Gym Owners <laughs> Business Podcast Report, Undercover Boss Issue Number One. Jay, you're the first one. You're going to come back and tell us exactly what happened. <laughs> that, that's it. pretty creative. Yeah, it's pretty creative. It is very creative, Michael. I'm, I'm very, um, yeah, I'm quite pleased to hear that. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, really. So, hey, if- Mel, I have, I have. I have one thing to say in closing, if I may. Yes, you is may. That I hope that people that listen, that take the time to listen to these these educational venues, these podcasts, that they don't hear the topic and just think, yeah, it's the same thing I've heard. But listen through it and then think about, are they really doing it? On a one to ten, what are they really doing? And, and be on, go in a room and be honest with themselves and, and see if they can help their business just move the needle a little bit each month a little bit and see what happens in a year by just doing that if you did not have to do something on a major scale but just improving the fundamentals of what we do and 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 not just take it for granted it's just another podcast you know it's kind of like walking out of a session at at, at a convention and i'm walking down the hall and I'm talking to somebody that I'm walking with as we all pile out. I say, what's your next session? Oh, i got to go down the escalators across the floor and up the other escalators. I say, what did you think about this one? Uh, it was okay. About, about 20 minutes ago, I started kind of looking at what I was going to be going to next, and I had to answer a few texts and email. In other words, you didn't get shit out of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing, is that they waste their time if they just took a fraction of some of the stuff that people are willing to share that do understand they would be so much better at what they do there's no charge for it are you kidding me people pay for this kind of stuff it it, it, it's just amazing yeah and you're doing a great job mel by putting this out to people uh 
in the format that you do and getting people to talk to you and just being honest and upfront with people. I think that's a key thing is gaining people's trust. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. I really, I really do. Well, I'm afraid that we're going to have to close off now because, well, it's that time of the afternoon and we've been chatting <laughs> for an hour. That's very true. Yeah. I well, wish, I tell I you, wish. Mel, isn't Dr. Mantell long? <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for an hour. Can you believe how, how long and winded he is? I was just going to wish you all a very meaningful, inspirational, wonderful, happy Thanksgiving. Wherever you celebrate. To you too, my friends. Delightful to work with you. Mel, it's always great. Robert, you're a hero. What can I tell you, man? And uh, you were fired up today, Robert. You were fired up. You were fired up. (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you all. Completely, totally honored, and and really appreciate the time. And and I've got a whole page of notes again, so uh, that makes it well worthwhile. So thank you. All right, so before we close Thanks, off everybody. so that you guys can go and have an amazing Thanksgiving, we best do it correctly. Thank you, Mr. Robert Dyer, Dr. Michael Mantel, and Mr. Jay Graves. Thank you very much for your input in today's podcast and enjoy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining the Gym Owners Podcast, sponsored and supported by National Fitness Business Alliance and Gym Click Media. Find Mel Tempest on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Join us next time for the Gym Owners Podcast.